Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey folks, today is Thursday, March 12, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, folks. It is an unbelievable 24 hours. The NBA has suspended play for the rest of the season. The NHL is doing the exact same thing. Major League Baseball, they are pushing back uh, their schedule for two weeks. Schools, Disneyland, all sorts of stuff is shutting down as a result of the coronavirus. Donald Trump gave an Oval Office address last night sniffle his way throughout the whole deal and they had to walk back three things he said in a written speech. Don't you think you check your facts before he gives a damn Oval Office speech? Today, looking extremely presidential, was Joe Biden. We'll have that for you. Also speaking today is Senator Bernie Sanders. Folks, we got full coverage giving you all the latest dealing with the coronavirus and how it impacts you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. It's time to bring the funk. Let's go. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the 
All right, folks, it was on February 27th. Donald Trump said that, oh, we pretty much gotten 15 cases. We're going to have this thing down to zero. Mm. What has happened? First of all, stock market lost another 2,000 points today, the fourth largest drop in history. What does that mean? It's lost more than 6,000 points in two weeks. The Federal Reserve announced they're going to pump $1.5 trillion into the markets in order to stabilize them. Also, all across the country, things are shutting down left and right. Late last night after we got off the air, the NBA announced that they are going to be canceling the rest of this season. Shocking players, owners, and everyone else involved. NCAA announced yesterday that they were going to actually continue with March Madness with no fans. 24 hours later, they announced there will be no March Madness at all. They are actually suspending all spring, winter and spring NCAA championships. Not only that, Disneyland, for the fourth time in its history, will be closing on Friday. State of emergency declared by, by Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York City. We're also seeing the exact same thing happen in the state of Wisconsin. We're seeing it happen in other cities all across this country. Uh, it has been an absolute stunning 24 hours as we have seen this nation trying to figure out what is going on with the coronavirus. Here's also part of the problem that we have. Testing. So far, only 11,000 tests have been administered across the country. South Korea... They're testing 10,000 people a day. That's how absolutely crazy uh, this whole thing is. Folks are trying to get up to date about what's uh, going on, how this thing is going to follow. I also told you, again, NBA canceled their season. National Hockey League also canceled their season. State basketball championships are being canceled as well. Broadway will go dark until April 13th. This thing is real, and it is actually stunning. Here's Donald Trump last night supposedly trying to calm the nation in the Oval Office address, and all it did is add more confusion to what is taking place in America. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And Taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. 
The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. These restrictions will be adjusted subject to conditions on the ground. There will be exemptions for Americans who have undergone appropriate screenings, and these prohibitions will not only apply to the tremendous amount of trade and cargo, but various other things as we get approval. Anything coming right, folks, from... uh, here's what happened there. First of all, they had to walk back three things immediately after Trump gave his speech. H how in the hell do you do that when it's a written speech? You check your facts first. Then, of course, uh, Mike Pence goes on television today and says, oh, no, 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 we're not restricting, tra we're not restricting travel to all Europeans. But he also said cargo as well, but then came back and said, well, no, it, actually, I don't mean cargo. I'm, this is... Okay, if y'all want to actually see how somebody gives a speech to address uh, a pandemic, this today was former Vice President Joe Biden. Wow. And the threat it poses to our health, our loved ones, our families, our livelihoods. You know, I, I know people are worried. They're, my thoughts are with those who are directly fighting this virus. Those infected, families that have suffered a loss, first responders and healthcare providers are putting themselves on the line as I speak for others. I'd like to thank uh, those who are already making sacrifices to protect us whether that's self-quarantine, self-quarantine themselves, or canceling events and closing campuses. Because whether or not you're affected or know someone who is infected or have been in contact with an infected person, this is gonna require a national, a national response. Not just from our elected leaders or our public health officials, but from all of us. We must, all of us, follow the guidelines of the health officials and take appropriate protections to protect ourselves and, and critically, to protect others, especially those who are most at risk for this disease. It's going to mean making some radical changes in our personal behaviors. More frequent and more thorough hand washing, staying home from work if you're ill, but also altering the deeply ingrained habits in our country like handshakes and hugs, avoiding large public gatherings, that's why earlier this week, on the recommendation of officials, my campaign canceled election night rallies that we had planned to hold in Cleveland, Ohio. We're also reimagining the format for large crowd events we had planned in Chicago and Miami in the coming days. And we'll continue to assess and adjust how we conduct our campaign as we move forward and find new ways to share our message with the public while putting health and safety of the American people first, above everything else. Yesterday, we announced a public health advisory committee of experts who will continue to counsel my campaign and me, help guide our decisions on the steps to minimize further risk. But we also, we will lead by science. The World Health Organization now has officially, officially declared 
COVID-19 pandemic. Downplaying it, being overly dismissive, or spreading misinformation is only going to hurt us and further advantage the spread of the disease. But neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia. Labeling COVID-19 a foreign virus does not displace accountability for the misjudgments that have been taken thus far by the Trump administration. Let me be crystal clear. The coronavirus does not have a political affiliation. It will infect Republicans, independents, and Democrats alike. and will not discriminate based on national origin, race, gender, or zip code. It will touch people in positions of power, as well as most vulnerable in our society. And it will not stop. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world may slow it, but as we've seen, it will not stop it. And travel restrictions based on favoritism and politics rather than risk will be counterproductive. This disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet. We need a plan about how we're going to aggressively manage here at home. You know, you all do know, the American people have the capacity to meet this moment. We're going to face this with the same spirit of, that has guided us in through previous crises. And we'll come together as a nation, we'll look out for one another, and do our part as citizens. We have, we have to be, we have to harness the ingenuity of our scientists and the resourcefulness of our people. And we have to help the world, help the world to drive coordinated global strategy. Not shut ourselves off from the world. Protecting the health and safety of the American people is the most important job of any president. And unfortunately, this virus laid bare the severe shortcomings of the current administration. Again, that was Joe Biden uh, speaking earlier today, uh, very critical of Donald Trump's administration and how they have handled uh, this pandemic. A little bit later, Senator Bernie Sanders, he spoke. Thanks very much, everybody, for being here. Uh, in the last few days, we have seen the crisis of the coronavirus continue to grow exponentially uh, here in the United States and around the world. Uh, and we have witnessed a global economic meltdown, uh, which will impact millions of workers in our own country. Uh, in terms of potential deaths, and in terms of the economic impact on our economy, the crisis we pay, face from the coronavirus is on a scale of a major war, and we must act accordingly. Nobody knows what the number of fatalities may end up being or the number of people who may get ill, and we all hope that that number will be as low as possible. But we also have to face the truth, and that is that the number of casualties may actually be even higher than what the armed forces experienced in World War II. In other words, we have a major, major crisis, and we must act accordingly. Therefore, it is a absolute moral imperative that our response as a government as a society, as a business community, and as individual citizens meet the enormity 
of this crisis. As people stay or work from home and are directed to quarantine, it will be easy for us to feel like we are all alone. I'm working at home, not in my office. Or that we must only worry about ourselves and think that everybody else should fend for themselves. But in my view, that would be a tragic and dangerous mistake. If there ever was a time in the modern history of our country when we are all in this together, this is that moment. Now is the time for solidarity. Now is the time to come together with love and compassion for all, including the most vulnerable people in our society who will face this pandemic from a health perspective or face it from an economic perspective. On Capitol Hill today, Congressional Black Caucus members and others uh, also spoke on the issue, including California Senator Kamala Harris. Senator Gillibrand, for your longstanding leadership in the United States Senate on the issue of paid family leave and so many other issues that affect our families. Um, here's the bottom line. Paid sick leave will save lives. Mm -hmm. Paid sick leave will keep communities safer. It's just that basic. It has always been an issue of workers' rights. It has always been an issue of what is the, the right public policy approach to supporting workers, understanding that every human being at one time or another will get sick and why should they have to suffer um, knowing that they either will be able to stay at home and tend to their illness or put food on the table and feed their babies or pay the rent. But with the coronavirus, it has become even more stark as an issue, which is literally, there are people in America, in fact, two-thirds of low-income workers do not have paid sick leave. And when presented with the issue of whether they will stay at home while they're sick or feed their babies or keep a roof over their head, it is logical to believe that they will go to work so that they can keep taking care of their family. So in the midst of this public health crisis, let us understand that one of the most significant and effective ways that we're going to slow down this virus is to make sure that when people are sick, they stay at home, that they self-quarantine. So let's, uh, let's unpack the math on that. If you're sick and we don't want it to spread through the community, we want people to stay at home. If you are a low-income worker who does not have paid sick leave, if you're facing the choice of whether to feed your children or go to work, you're going to choose to feed your children. And that means going to work and perhaps spreading the virus. So what the House is proposing is not only right in terms of what we need as public policy in the United States, in terms of how we treat our workers, but this is a very smart way to address what is currently a very significant public health crisis in the United States of America. So again, I applaud um, Senator Gillibrand. I'd also just raise one more point. I serve on the uh, Senate Homeland Security um, Committee, which is an oversight committee. And of course, part of our oversight is, um, includes over OPM. Um, there are 2.7 million federal workers. And we have been asking the administration what they are going to do 
to ensure that those federal workers are receiving the kinds of protections they need as they do their job of working on behalf of the American people, often interacting every day with the American public. We have yet to hear a clear plan. Among the people who work for the Department of Homeland Security, again, we, over, we have oversight over that in the, in the Committee on, on Homeland Security, TSA agents. We already have a couple of TSA agents out of San Jose, California, who have tested positive. And we have asked then Ken Cuccinelli and the administration, what is your plan to make sure that the TSA workers who... All right, well, that was Senator Kamala Harris there. Uh, what is quite interesting is that uh, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell made clear they were not going to take up the House bill they're moving forward on. He also said they were going to go to a recess next week, but he got blown up even by his fellow Republicans, uh, and now they're not going to be on a recess next week. They're going to actually be in D.C. doing the damn work you should be doing. So let's break this thing down. Joining me right now, my pal, Dr. Greg Carr. He's chairman of the Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University. Uh, also joining me is Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the Environmental Protection Agency, as well as joining us via Skype is Erica Savage-Wilson. She is host of Savage Politics Podcast. Uh, Mustafa, I want to start with you. When you look at, again, how all of this is being handled, when you look at the fact that Congress was stunned today to find out that only 10,000 tests nationwide have been conducted. When you hear Trump, Pence, and others talk about uh, how this thing has not spread across America, first of all, we don't know that because you have not seen uh, the wide testing. When you have private labs, and you only have a handful of labs across the country who can even conduct the testing. I was watching a clip uh, of, a, of a doctor on MSNBC, one of their uh, medical experts, who said she recommended to one of her clients to go get tested. She couldn't even get her to get tested. South Korea, only 50, only 50 million uh, people in that country. Uh, they with a, with a chart yesterday showing um, 3,700 3, people per, per million mm -hmm. who have been tested, five per one million in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, they are now, they, in South Korea, they are testing 10,000 people a day. Mm -hmm. Australia, they've set up drive-through testing zones, all of those different things that they're doing, and for some reason, these folks, it, there was this, this response is just utterly nonsensical. It's lack of leadership. Um, you know, the president and his team had the opportunity for months to actually get the infrastructure in place in case this became a pandemic. If you look at across our country, and they played a role in this, you know, we have medically underserved areas. We have physician deserts. So when we talk about the testing, we also have to talk about all of these communities, communities of color, lower income communities that are already struggling in this space to actually have the basic infrastructure in place for folks to move in and be able to get the testing in place. Then we have to talk about the medical biases that, that have been traditionally in place as well um, and address those questions um, as we move forward. But with all that being said, it all goes back to the president and his team. Uh, and the lack of understanding of making sure that we actually have the right types of things that are in place. Ray, this is leadership. And it, it is, you either have leadership or you don't. What we're seeing from, from the administration, horrible leadership. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, horrible leadership from the president, for sure. Um, Vice President, that's clear. I mean, anyone should be embarrassed watching that, what he, what he stumbled through last night. And of course, now the stock market has officially entered a bear market. It's 20% below the high that it was at, so mm -hmm. we have that. 
Uh, but you know, if I was a high school teacher or a college teacher around the country, especially since he's going to be online for the foreseeable future, this is a perfect example of a civics lesson on what of the country we live in. We talk about our country, but it's really state, local, and federal governments. Mm -hmm. So you see people taking the initiative, mayors, governors like Larry Hogan now, you know, state of emergency in Maryland. Uh, as, you, as you said, the mayor of New York City closed down New York City. Mm -hmm. What's fascinating to me is that as we've been talking offline, off air, we're in an unprecedented moment. I mean, here we are where, I just took the metro now, rush hour from Howard. Howard Hospital is gonna be a place, as you say, Brother Mustafa, you know this better than, than we do, where the most vulnerable people are gonna come. Mm -hmm. And they're already coming into Howard Hospital. I walked past Howard Hospital, got on the train, the train looked like a weekend, brother. It's rush hour on a Thursday afternoon, and I'm looking like we have no precedent for this. So the mayor of this city, state of emergency, schools closed. The president of the United States is exposing the fact that we live in a federated state, and people are stepping up and showing leadership based on experience. And finally, and you made this point off air, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it a little bit more, you know, Joe Biden's people, he inserted himself, and what we're seeing emerge is a clear contrast in this thing. And I hope you talk some more about the contrast even between the clips we saw. This man is completely overmatched in terms of Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Eric, it's, it's real clear. Uh, I got a phone call at 5 a.m. this morning uh, announcing that uh, my niece's uh, school will be closed today uh, through March 20th. Uh, universities all across the country doing the exact same thing. Dorms are shutting down. Uh, there are people who are on college campuses or in cities that are dominated by universities saying it's like a ghost town. But people don't understand that has a direct impact on where you eat, on groceries, things along those lines. Uh, because if people are clearing out, uh, then you don't have those services. And what you're, what you're dealing with right now is a crisis of confidence from people in this, in this administration. Uh, they told us last week, at the <coughs> end of the week, we would have one million tests available. That's a lie. They had, to, they, they, had, they had to actually say the day before that Friday deadline, oh, we're, we're actually not going to have it. And a month was wasted. Literally, a month was wasted because you had, a, you had Donald Trump who refused to even acknowledge the, the truth behind this. He stood in front of the cameras and said, we got about 15 cases. We're going to soon be down to zero. He was telling people on Twitter, hey, great time to buy stocks. At, at one point on January 10th, he was even touting, oh, how the stock market going, gone up 11,000 in three years. And he was quoting Stuart Varney uh, on Fox Business and how we've never seen this before. The Dow may hit 29,000, never in history. And then Trump literally in saying, things are, are going to get better. And it has right. gotten worse. We've seen them only get exponentially worse. And the other thing I want to mention around this is that in terms of this regime, right, and I agree with my brothers, Dr. Ali and Dr. Carr, that what we are really literally seeing is incompetence in leadership from this regime, but also a lack of strategic planning, right? Remember, at the beginning of all of them coming into office, it was supposed to be this new type of leadership that was being ushered in, this new level of accountability, right, drain the swamp. And so um, then also issuing all of these different attacks around media and then also gutting people who should be serving, right, in um, these different seats to help us manage and uh, get through a moment the way that we have, um, the one like the one that we have right now. And then now there's no one left. There's only the liar-in-chief left. And then I want to just kind of peel back as we've been talking about how we've seen states really act as... Um, 
presidents of their own state in terms of guidance and helping people really kind of move through this global pandemic crisis that we have is that not only do we have kids that are leaving school, both in um, elementary, middle, high, and then on to college, but then when we think about that in terms of their families and the type of work that they have, think about those families who their job really does depend on them actually being present, that they don't have the benefit of being able to work from home. So now you have um, poor and low wealth people that are really kind of caught between, well, what is it that I can do to make ends meet, right? And then you have kids at home too that now mm-hmm. they are you know, even more anxious and more stressed out because they're at home. That's another mouth to feed. So we're seeing this happening in schools and also for kids that are in college because some of the kids that are at these Ivy League schools where, um, you know, tuition is 80000 a year, that now that those schools are closed and they're going to an online model, if those are first-gen col- um, college students, where are those college stu- right. students right. going? It's all They're already food insecure. So this just really highlights what happens when... Um, in an election, someone chooses to shake up and then 60 million people get behind a person saying that they're going to shake up the system for a person that is shown over and over again, both in their business practices um, and any other medium that they've been in, that they don't have any type of real leadership qualities. This is what we end up with. It's, out, it's now really every state, every community for itself to really protect the citizenry. Joining us right now, Dr. Oliver Brooks is president of the National Medical Association. He's a pediatrician in Los Angeles. In addition to that, uh, he is uh, he is the uh, chairman of the Immunized LA Families Coalition uh, and a board member of the California Immunization Coalition. Uh, Dr. Brooks, glad to have you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Good day to you, Martin, and enjoying your program thus far in the comments. As a as a doctor, I mean, how do you assess what has happened thus far in terms of how the federal government has responded uh, to this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic? I will say that the response that I saw yesterday did not engender confidence. A lot of what we deal with as physicians is the patients, those we treat, have to have a confidence in us. So what I got <clears throat> from our commander-in-chief was not confidence. He he let go um, Tim Zimmer, who was the national security advisor individual um, for public health and dis- natural disasters. He wasn't replaced. Uh, Tom Bossert, Homeland Security, who was big on, on uh, diseases, uh, pushed out by John Bolton, uh, not replaced. So now what we're dealing with is we're, we're, we're scraping together a response. We have not had a state of emergency declared. State of emergency declared would allow for other funds to be released. And there's some funds to, like myself in the community health centers that specifically in the state of emergency. So now what I'm dealing with is a lack of tests, patients that have a lot of concerns, and I'm challenged to treat them properly. Also, at the end of Masons, we look at the, uh, the health and the welfare of the African-American community and communities that are underrepresented, underrepresented. We have to be concerned about things like if it gets strongly into the African-American and poor communities, poor transportation, public houses, so we're living all on top of each other. Not great access to health care, so I'm sick. Not only will I not go to the doctor because I have to go to work, but I may not go to a doctor because I can't readily get to a doctor. Uh, the studies have shown clearly from the CDC that those that die from this are those that have comorbidities. 
So we, of course, as African-Americans... Well, first of all, what is that? Other, what is, first of all, what's that phrase? What is that? A comorbidity, just if you have some other illness. Like, in addition to, you may have fever and may have been exposed to someone with COVID-19, you also have hypertension, uh, COPD, pulmonary lung disease, diabetes. All of these things put you at higher risk of complications and or death from uh, coronavirus. So if or when this hits the African-American community, communities that are poor, unrepresented, underrepresented, it will devastate us. So that, that mortality rate that our um, leader told us, oh, don't worry about it. I have a hunch that it's not as high. And, and the black communities, if COVID really starts to spread, the morbidity rate will be, in fact, Doc, but here's the thing that I think is just so basic. Don't you as a doctor or as a public health official, this whole notion of uh, well, keep numbers low, don't you want to know exactly the extent of the problem to then know how do you treat it? How do you actually uh, begin to fight this thing? Where, you know, where is it strong? Where is it weak? I mean, so without data, you're just flying blind. So you're absolutely true. The 11,000 tests that have been done in this country equal to the how many are, num are done a day in other countries like Korea is unconscionable. We, we work with data. So once we get the information, we know this many people are testing positive. We get a better understanding of the asymptomatic spread. How many people actually have it that have no symptoms? The, the ages of those that are getting it. We need the tests. I, I don't know what to say. We were offered the tests. The WHO offered a, the test to the United States. The United States said, no, we'll figure it out. Then they released the test, and the CDC found that they were faulty. So no, 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 hold on, hold on, Doc, I want you to go over that again, because people don't realize that. The World Health Organization, they have been yes. following this since the outbreak in China, other countries. They right. offered the United States exactly what? The, a test reagent that could be utilized immediately to start running tests and in large numbers. That was in January. And the United States said, no, we'll figure out our own. And the we test... Develop, we'll, we'll get our own test going. We'll get it uh, run properly, coming out of FDA and CDC, and disseminate it. And the, and the so World Health Organization offered that to all countries. They said, we're going to give you all of the backup data and everything... But arrogant United States of America says, no, 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 Donald Trump, we got the best people, we'll do our own. And now what they've discovered is that test is faulty. Well, it was faulty. It's now no longer faulty. But the point is, when you're developing your own test, it takes time. And, and, so, and, and that was critical time that was wasted because you need to be on top of this thing from the beginning. So right now, it is like you are building a plane while you are flying and it is a very uncomfortable situation. Wow. Up until two days ago, I couldn't even do a test unless the L.A. County Department of Public Health approved it because they had so few tests. Now I have found out that I can start testing more widely. So I feel more comfortable now. But now we're, we're behind. And this is one of those things where catching up ultimately can be deadly. So it's not like in a basketball game where you, when you get to the end, you won 99 and 98, even though you were down by 12. This is one of those when you get to the end, 
you look back and there is a field of bodies behind you because you were not able to get the information out to test, to monitor, to understand better this disease. He hasn't declared a state of emergency because he's concerned that it'll contradict the message. So, so what? So, the, so now, now, doc, we've seen cities and states do that. If the president declares a state of emergency, what does that mean? What, what, what does that now look like? So, what it would mean is that FEMA would then take control over the over the response. Number one, number two, it releases specific monies. Some of the monies that they're earmarking are either uh, extra spending or that's been being taken from other areas. A state of emergency re uh, changes the whole approach. The federal government is now in charge. That hasn't happened. Uh, he says it's because this is like seasonal flu. But let's underscore the fact that right now, Tom Hanks and his wife tested positive. Where are they now? In Australia, where it is late summer. The other thing, if you think about it, WHO declared a pandemic. So flu can be a pandemic. It's not now. Flu is a disease that we see every year seasonally. But there have been pandemics of flu. So he could say it's like seasonal flu. If he says like seasonal flu, that is a pandemic, then the response is totally different. But we're not there yet. And, and Doc, so, in, fa in, fa in fact, Tom Hanks and his wife were tested in Australia. Had they been in the United States, they would have not have qualified according to the testing rules. And that's, that is actually correct. So, again, we underscore testing, testing, testing. That is what will get us to where we need to be. Again, my staff even now are somewhat concerned because we, we just don't know. We can't, when we have someone where we have a level of suspicion, I'll run the test. It costs 20 bucks. Maybe comes back in somewhere. Now the time changes too. It was two to three days. Now I'm hearing it's a day. But now when we when we can test, then we can allay people's fears. We right. can monitor. We can isolate. That basically the approach is isolate, identify, isolate, and quarantine. That's the response to a, a public health infectious disease condition. And right now the difficulty is identifying. Right. You can't really identify them. So again, so that is our challenge right now. As you said, you're building a plane while you're flying it. Dr. Oliver Brooks, yeah. President, National Medical Association. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Right, thank you very much. Uh, folks, uh, again, one of the reasons why this show matters is because we want to, again, utilize our black health experts so you understand exactly what's going on. Doctors, you know who you can trust, provide you the kind of information. So how did we even get to this? You know, where did this thing even come from? Not all these conspiracy theories you're hearing out there. Well, the folks at Vox Media put together this really, really great video uh, and it was sent to me today. Uh, and I said, you know what, let's let's go ahead and play this. And, and it, it, it just really lays out where the coronavirus came from and how this whole thing originated. You don't want to miss this. So check this out. 19, when health officials in China admitted they had a problem. The health authorities have activated their most serious response level after an outbreak of a new type of viral pneumonia in central China. A rapidly growing number of people were developing a dry cough and fever before getting pneumonia. And for some, it turned fatal. Doctors have named the disease COVID-19, or Coronavirus Disease 2019, indicating that a type of virus is causing the illness. When they tried to trace its origin, they found a likely source. This food market in Wuhan. 
Out of the first 41 patients, 27 had been here. It wasn't conclusive evidence, but Chinese officials quickly shut down the market. They had seen this happen before at a place just like this. The health officials are trying to get a grip on an alarming outbreak of SARS. The virus originated in mainland China. It spread across the country. The disease had been festering for months in southern China. In 2002, a coronavirus had emerged at a very similar market in southern China. It eventually reached 29 countries and killed nearly 800 people. Now, 18 years later, this coronavirus is in at least 71 countries and has already killed over 3,100 people. So what do these markets have to do with the coronavirus outbreak, and why is it happening in China? A lot of the viruses that make us sick actually originate in animals. Some of the viruses that cause the flu come from birds and pigs. HIV-AIDS comes from chimpanzees. The deadly Ebola virus likely originates in bats. And in the case of the 2019 coronavirus, there's some evidence it went from a bat to a pangolin before infecting a human. While viruses are very good at jumping between species, it's rare for a deadly one to make this journey all the way to humans. That's because it would need all these hosts to encounter each other at some point. That's where the Wuhan market comes in. It's a wet market. A kind of place where live animals are slaughtered and sold for consumption. It was not a surprise at all, and I think that it was not a surprise to many scientists. Peter Lee is a professor and expert on China's animal trade. The cages stuck above one over another. Animals at the bottom are often soaked with all kinds of liquid animal excrement, pus, blood, or whatever the liquid they're receiving from uh, the animals uh, above. That's exactly how a virus can jump from one animal to another. If that animal then comes in contact with or is consumed by a human, the virus could potentially infect them. And if the virus then spreads to other humans, it causes an outbreak. Wet markets are scattered all over the world, but the ones in China are particularly well known because they offer a wide variety of animals, including wildlife. This is a sample menu reportedly from the market in Wuhan. These animals are from all over the world and each one has the potential to carry its own viruses to the market. The reason all these animals are in the same market is because of a decision China's government made decades ago. Back in the 1970s, China was falling apart. Famine had killed more than 36 million people, and the communist regime, which controlled all food production, was failing to feed its more than 900 million people. In 1978, on the verge of collapse, the regime gave up this control and allowed private farming. While large companies increasingly dominated the production of popular foods like pork and poultry, some smaller farmers turned to catching and raising wild animals as a way to sustain themselves. At the very beginning, it was mostly peasant household backyard operation of turtles, for example. That's how wildlife farming started to get off the ground. And since it started to feed and sustain people, the Chinese government backed it. So it was imperative for the government to encourage people to you know, to make a living through whatever productive activities they can find themselves in. You can lift yourself out of poverty, no matter what you are doing, that's okay. But then in 1988, the government made a decision that changed the shape of wildlife trade in China. They enacted the Wildlife Protection Law, which designated the animals as resources owned by the state and protected people engaged in the utilization of wildlife resources. 
that's one of the most devastating problems of the law because if you designate the wildlife as a natural resource, that means it is something you can use for human benefits. The law also encouraged the domestication and breeding of wildlife. And with that, an industry was born. Small local farms turned into industrial-sized operations. For example, this bear farm started with just three and eventually grew to more than a thousand bears. Bigger populations meant greater chances that a sick animal could spread disease. Farmers were also raising a wide variety of animals, which meant more viruses on the farms. Nonetheless, these animals were funneled into the wet markets for profit. While this legal wildlife farming industry started booming, it simultaneously provided cover for an illegal wildlife industry. Endangered animals like tigers, rhinoceroses, and pangolins were trafficked into China. By the early 2000s, these markets were teeming with wild animals when the inevitable happened. The latest on the deadly SARS virus, the worldwide death toll, up again today. China has reported more than 1,400 cases of infection nationwide. It is what health officials have feared all along. In 2003, the SARS outbreak was traced to a wet market here in southern China. Scientists found traces of the virus in farmed civet cats. Chinese officials quickly shut down the markets and banned wildlife farming. But just a few months after the outbreak, the Chinese government declared 54 species of wildlife animals, including civet cats, legal to farm again. By 2004, the wildlife farming industry was worth an estimated 100 billion won, and it exerted significant influence over the Chinese government. Wildlife farming industry was tiny in China's gigantic GDP, but the industry has enormous lobbying capability. It's because of this influence that the Chinese government has allowed these markets to grow over the years. In 2016, for example, the government sanctioned the farming of some endangered species like tigers and pangolins. By 2018, the wildlife industry had grown to 148 billion won and had developed clever marketing tactics to keep the markets around. The industry has been promoting you know, these wildlife animals as, you know, tonic products, as, you know, bodybuilding, as sex enhancing, and of course as disease fighting. None of the claims can hold water. Yet these products became popular with an influential portion of China's population. The majority of the people in China do not uh, eat wildlife animals. Those people who consume these wildlife animals are the rich and the powerful. A small Minority. It's this minority that the Chinese government chose to favor over the safety of the rest of its population. These parochial commercial interests of small number wildlife eaters are hijacking China's national interest. Soon after the coronavirus outbreak, the Chinese government shut down thousands of wet markets and temporarily banned wildlife trade again. Organizations around the world have been urging China to make the ban permanent. Chinese social media, in particular, has been flooded with petitions to ban it for good this time. In response, China is reportedly amending the wildlife protection law that encouraged wildlife farming decades ago. But unless these actions lead to a permanent ban on wildlife farming, outbreaks like this one are bound to happen again. We're going to have to help those small farmers also.
Again, that was a video from Vox Media. Absolutely uh, fascinating to understand how this whole thing started. You know, a lot of people uh, have not taken this thing very seriously. You had folks, conservatives, who were saying, you know, lead and taking Donald Trump's lead. This is a hoax. This is a fake. This isn't real. Uh, you also had uh, NBA player who now is being diagnosed with uh, coronavirus, uh, Rudy Gobert, plays for the Utah Jazz. This is Rudy Gobert um, at a news conference joking with the media um, before he found out that he was infected and then before he found out that he infected another teammate. And some of the teammates have been reported even saying that he had been uh, touching their clothes, playing around with them, not realizing that he was carrying it. thought that was cute. Now Rudy is apologizing. He went on Instagram uh, and apologized, excuse me, went on his Instagram page and apologized uh, for his actions, um, saying now he realizes uh, how serious this thing is. Erica, th th that that's the thing. You, you know, again, you had conservatives at CPAC who were acting like, oh, this is no big deal. But it was a conservative person who was there who was infected. Uh, who was led to the quarantining of several members of Congress. You got Donald Trump, who was there, possibly came into contact with this person. Got, came in, a Brazilian legislator uh, has been tested positive for coronavirus. Trump still will not even take a test. And I'm like, dude, you might have it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just idiotic how these people are thinking. It really is. And then when we expand it and we look at even cruise ships are offering discounts on people to take cruises, especially porting out of California for as low as $25. Even thinking about some of the plane tickets, the pricing, $10, $16, But now that it has impacted a part of the um, world that we consider entertainment, athleticism, now it all of a sudden becomes really significant. And it makes me kind of think about Donald Trump when um, he had months and months to prepare for this and weeks where he knew that this was actually going around the globe. And that the only reason that he began to pay attention to it is when the market started on their downward trend um, last week and just continued to go down. So I think what's really happening as we kind of like pull back and we look at all of this is really to understand that this pandemic is here Right. And so that in our own way, no matter what it is that we do to be very, very careful about the way that we're actually interacting with other people, social distancing, even if people aren't um, displaying any symptoms right now is something that um, people in companies and organizations are definitely moving towards. And so I think that unfortunately, as people are seeing this part of the world being touched, that they've making it more seriously. But if we had had leadership first and foremost, right. that would have done what Joe Biden said, which was said in his speech to make it about the health and safety of American citizens. I think that when that's the tone from the top, then every other sector that um, kind of rolls up under that can really have that same display of seriousness, not after the fact, but well before. Here we go to my iPad. This is the statement from Rudy Gobert. He posted on his Instagram page. I want to thank everyone for the outpouring of concern and support over the last 24 hours. I have gone through so many emotions since learning of my diagnosis, mostly fear, anxiety, and embarrassment. 
The first and most important thing is I would like to publicly apologize to the people that I may have endangered. At the time, I had no idea I was even infected. I was careless and make no excuse. I hope my story serves as a warning and causes everyone to take this seriously. I will do whatever I can to support using my experience as a way to educate others and prevent the spread of this virus. I'm under great care and will fully recover. Thank you again for all your support. I encourage everyone to take all of the steps to stay safe and healthy. Love. One of his uh, players, Donovan Mitchell, also posted on Instagram his comment. Let's pull that up, please. Uh, and, you know, he spoke to this issue as well. Um, where he talked about him being impacted. Uh, he posted a heartfelt message on his Instagram page. And so uh, you see uh, that statement there from uh, Donovan, D Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and again, it's just, it's just, it's just stunning with people uh, not quite understanding uh, how significant this is uh, and how folks want to blow this thing off and act like um, it's, it's really no big deal. Uh, and, uh, and what you're dealing with, unfortunately, uh, are, again, careless individuals. That's the problem here. And so uh, here's exactly what uh, he said. You can go to my iPad. Thanks to everyone who has been reaching out since hearing the news about my positive test. We're all learning more about the seriousness of this situation, and hopefully people can continue to educate themselves and realize that they need to behave responsibly both for their own health and for the well-being of those around them. I appreciate the authorities in Oklahoma who were helpful with the testing process and everyone from the Utah Jazz who have been so supportive. I'm going to keep following the advice of our medical staff and hope that we can all come together and be there for each other and our neighbors who need our help. Greg, I'm going to go to you because here's what's interesting. Last week, LeBron James gave an interview where he said, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't too thrilled about not playing in front of fans. He said, you know, I played for the fans. And I actually had reached out to, to the president of one of his companies as well as to uh, one of his very close friends who plays in the NBA and said, uh, get this message to LeBron, to LeBron. Shut the hell up. This is real. I'm like, first of all, more fans watch the game than actually who can afford right. to sit in the NBA arena. But this is a public health crisis. Then, of course, uh, the follow earlier this week, he, he goes, hey, you know, I didn't realize, you know, whatever the NBA decides, you know, you know, I'll buy it by that. I didn't really, you know, you know, we got to ask. I didn't really realize how, how major this was. It's like, yeah, th this is how major this is. You know, when you talk about these players, it's not just not just them infecting other players, but it's also security personnel who they came in contact with, people who work for the team as well, individuals who are not multimillionaires. Uh, if you had a if you had a car uh, a car service who drove you to the game uh, or who picked you up, uh, you now uh, put that person at risk in their family. When you hear people talk about, well, if you're young and you're healthy, it's all good. Okay, my parents are 72. So that? now, what happens when it comes to your parents and your grandparents? And so people have to understand. You cannot play games with this because you might say, well, I'm healthy. I mean, look, my doc called me today with my blood results, said, okay, all my stuff was looking good uh, top to bottom, but I still better be concerned about my damn health right. and how if I, if I somehow get it and I pass on to a family member, yeah. that can I have a negative impact on, on, on elderly family. Absolutely. You're my own mother, 93 years old. She's there in your hometown in Houston, my brother-in-law and my sister. 
you know, we got to be very careful. And both my brother-in-law sister to work in healthcare. They know that. Your home state of Texas, you take Mark Cuban, who has shown the initiative and said, I'm going to keep the people who work in the, uh, in, in, for the Mavericks on the payroll. Mm -hmm. They can't afford to miss a check. Mm -hmm. And even uh, LeBron's former teammate, Kevin Love in Cleveland, just announced today he's going to put $100,000 in the kitty so to make sure that the people who clean up the, uh, the arena and work in, there, work in that arena, who are not multimillionaires, will be somehow taken care of. That's what made what Katie Porter did today so important. We're talking about goes to the theme you initiated with, leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership isn't just a president of the United States. It's people with resources saying, no, I'm going to look out for these people. It's a governor like Larry Hogan. Forget the politics for a moment. He said, look, nobody can have a meeting bigger than 250 people, and you got to be six feet apart. Social distancing. Well, look, Everybody I, mean, I, can you know, I was going to have my school choice, is a black choice town hall next week in, in Prince George's mm -hmm. County. Uh, I was going to wait till next week, and I'm like, look, uh, bottom line is, you know, uh, our, we, we probably were going to have anywhere from three to 400 people out there. I said, no, we're postponing it. Cancel it. I mean, like, to me, that was a no-brainer. I mean, again, you have to be smart. Uh, uh, we made the decision on the National Association of Black Journalists. We postponed all of our regional conferences, all of our, uh, all of our short courses, uh, and we're monitoring the situation to see how it impacts our national convention. Uh, this, is, this is what is happening, Mustafa, uh, across this country. And I think people also... Somebody just posted this, and I saw it. They said, you know what? I don't necessarily know when people realize how nasty some folks are. <laughs> <laughs> people do need uh, better personal hygiene, but we should anchor this also in the science and the facts. So we know that we have over, what, 330, 360 million people in our country. If we have 1% infection rate, we're talking about 3 million people. 2%, 6 million, 3%, 9 million. That's a lot of folks. Then you look at the infrastructure inside of our communities, going back to what we were talking about with the young brothers who are playing, uh, you know, playing in the NBA, our communities don't have the infrastructure to deal with this yet. So, and as Dr. Brooks well, in fact, it's just about, the nation. In fact, I mean, the, the medical experts are even saying yeah. we can't have everybody running the hospitals to get tested right. because the hospitals are not constructed to handle that number, that influx of people. That's correct. But when we look at where African-Americans and Latinx people are right. living, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of hospitals that have closed. Again, we have the physician deserts. So we've got to be very mindful of the fact that, yes, we may be young and strong, but as you said, our mothers, our grandparents, my mom just got over pneumonia twice in the last couple of months, mm. so I have to be extremely careful when I'm going back home and engaging with her. I got so a sister who's, who's, in, who's one of my attorneys who, who's in her his early 50s yep. who just got pneumonia. I mean, you can't play. Yep. You can't play with coronavirus, have pneumonia. Well, think about this also, and it has not come to pass yet. But if somebody, if somebody knows that they have an infectious disease, a sexually transmitted infectious disease, there are laws on the books that if you intentionally right. impact someone, affect someone, then there can be repercussions for that. I know this is a different situation, but we may get to a place where people know. We just had somebody got on a plane at LaGuardia. And then when they got off the plane, they told folks that they actually had the virus. So that's a case where you knew you were sick and you still put other people's lives mm. in danger. So we're just going to have to think about these things and folks are going to have to figure out how they're going to deal with them. Well, and um, um, when you talk about just the utter nonsense that you hear coming uh, out of the mouth of Donald Trump, <laughs> how this man is so ignorant, he is, he is so irresponsible, that he will just say whatever the hell. Uh, he said that he has re repeated over and over and over again that, well, if somebody is, uh, if someone needs to get tested, it's not a problem, oh, he's reached out to the insurance companies. They've said, no, we didn't say we're gonna pay for the testing. No. He's, they said, we will waive the copay. 
were not paying for the testing. Hmm. They also have the power. Hmm. Greg mentioned Congresswoman Katie Porter of California. This is what she did today, challenging the director of the CDC on this very issue. Watch. Dr. Cadillac, for someone um, without insurance, do you know the out-of-pocket cost of a complete blood count test? No, ma'am, not, not immediately. Do you have a ballpark? Uh, out of, with a copay, ma'am? No, the out-of-pocket, just the, the typical cost. Uh, I do not, ma'am. Okay, the CBC, a CBC typically costs about $36. What about the out-of-pocket cost for a complete metabolic panel? Ma'am, I'd have to pass on that as well. You have any idea you want to take a ballpark? I would say $75. Okay, 58 Getting closer. How about flu A? The flu A test? Ma'am, again, I would take a guess at about maybe 50 43 Flu, this is like the price is right. Flu B? Too high again. I, I would probably say 44 That's good. How about the cost of an ER visit for someone identified as high severity and threat? I'm sorry, ma'am. What was the question again? How about the cost of an ER visit for somebody identified as having high severity or high threat? High severity, but ma'am, that's probably about three to five thousand dollars. Okay, that is one thousand one hundred and fifty-one dollars. It this all totals up to one thousand three hundred and thirty-one dollars. That's assuming they aren't kept in isolation. Isolation can add up for one family already, $4,000. And fear of these costs are gonna keep people from being tested, from getting the care they need, and from keeping their communities safe. We live in a world where 40% of Americans cannot even afford a $400 unexpected expense. We live in a world where 33% of Americans put off medical treatment last year. And we have a $1,331 expense, conservatively, just for testing for the coronavirus. Dr. Redfield, do you want to know who has the coronavirus and who doesn't? Yes. Not just rich people, but everybody who might have the virus? All of America. Dr. Redfield, are you familiar with 42 CFR 71.3130, excuse me? 42 CFR 71.30. Um, uh, the Code of Federal Regulations that applies to the CDC. 42 CFR 71.30. I think if you could frame the, what it talks about, that would help me. I, I okay. don't relate. Dr. Redfield, I'm, I'm pretty well known as a questioner on the Hill for, for not, not tipping my hand. I literally communicated to your office last night and received confirmation that I was going to be asking you about 42, 42 CFR 71.30. This provides the director may authorize payment for the care and treatment of individuals subject to medical exam, quarantine, isolation, and conditional release. That I know about, and my office did tell me that. I just didn't know the numbers, ma'am. That's Congresswoman. Great. So you're familiar. Dr. Redfield, will you commit to the CDC right now using that existing authority to pay for diagnostic testing free to every American, regardless of insurance? Well, I can say that we're going to do everything to make sure everybody can nope, get the care they need. not good enough. Reclaiming my time. Dr. Redfield, you have the existing authority. Will you commit right now to using the authority that you have vested in you under law 
that provides in a public health emergency for testing, treatment, exam, isolation, without cost, yes or no? What I'm going to say is I'm going to review it in detail with no, CDC I'm, and the department. No, I'm reclaiming my time. Dr. Redfield, respectfully, I wrote you this letter along with my colleagues, Rosa DeLora and Lauren Underwood, Congressman Underwood and Congressman DeLora. We wrote you this letter one week ago. We quoted that existing authority to you and we laid out this problem. We asked for a response yesterday. The deadline and the time for delay has passed. Will you commit to invoking your existing authority under 42 CFR 71.30 to provide for coronavirus testing for every American regardless of insurance coverage? What I was trying to say is that CDC is working with HHS now to see how we operationalize that. Dr. Redfield. I hope that that answer weighs heavily on you because it is going to weigh very heavily on me and on every American family. Our intent is to make sure every American gets the care and treatment they need at this time of this major epidemic. And I'm currently working with HHS to see how to best operationalize it. Dr. Redfield, you don't need to do any work to operationalize. You need to make a commitment to the American people so they come in to get tested you can operationalize the payment structure I th tomorrow. I, th I think you're an excellent questioner, so my answer is yes. Excellent. Everybody in America hear that. You are eligible to go get tested for coronavirus and have that covered regardless of insurance. Please, if you believe you have the illness, follow precautions. Call first. Do everything the CDC and Dr. Fauci, God bless you for guiding Americans in this time. But do not let a lack of insurance worse in this crisis. And I would just like to echo what you said. It's a public health, a very important public health that those are, those individuals that are in the shadows can get the health care that they need during this the time of us responding to this outbreak. And of course, we had Stuck on Stupid, who was in the old office with the Prime Minister of Ireland. This is what this dumbass said. Thank you all very much. It's an honor to be with the Prime Minister of Ireland. We've known each other now for quite a while and we have a great relationship and a great relationship with Ireland and uh, we have a lot to discuss. Uh, we will be uh, talking about the obvious and we'll also be talking about the virus that's hit the world. I see uh, they've canceled their big soccer games, their championship games and a lot of other games. They've canceled a lot over in Europe and all over the world. So this is a big world problem. Uh, we've taken some bold steps. We took the original boldest step of all when we closed very early with China. That helped us uh, save thousands of lives. And we went very early with Europe. And uh, I think that'll likewise be very good. And hopefully we can get it back together very quickly in terms of uh, reestablishing uh, with China. That's on track to something happen fairly quickly because they've made a lot of progress over the last uh, three or four weeks, and uh, certainly with Europe, we think we can go hopefully very quickly. They have some hot spots that are really bad. Uh, they'll get them better. Germany, I guess, has some problems now. Uh, France has some problems, some pretty big problems. And Italy, of course, is uh, probably record-setting in terms of what they've gone through. Italy's having a very hard time. Uh, but we think we'll reestablish very quickly once this ends, and it's just a question of time, and I think it'll go pretty quickly uh, stay away from uh, people and wash your hands and do all of the things that we're supposed to be doing a little bit anyway. 
but it'll be uh, it'll go very quickly. I know that uh, we were just talking that uh, Ireland's closed their schools and. Okay, y'all. He praised the UK and Ireland for the work they've done on this. Ireland's not in the UK. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell y'all. I think maybe you meant Northern Ireland. I, I, it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go to a break. We come back. More on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, folks, Johnson Publishing Company, parent of the now defunct uh, Everybody Jet. First of all, Johnson Publishing Company, they filed for bankruptcy, okay? Uh, so they're actually now defunct. Uh, they have sold their photo archive for $30 billion. Now, that took place, of course, months ago. Now, an advisory council has been named to oversee the creation and programming around the historic collection before it's handed over to the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and culture. The collection has 983,000 pictures, some 3.35 million negatives and slides, as well as 9,000 audios and visual recordings. Now, what they've done is uh, five different foundations came together to actually put the money together, actually buy uh, the collection. And so what they're doing is they're sorting through it right now in Chicago, uh, categorizing it. Uh, it's a massive collection. Uh, and the sister, who, uh, of course, uh, is a librarian of the Library of Congress, she's actually going to be overseeing this advisory committee. And so we're certainly uh, glad to hear that is taking place in terms of protecting uh, that history that is ours. All right, folks, let's talk about this. Y'all know what time it is. All right, folks, the brother tried to enjoy a day at the amusement park, but a white man called him out of his name, and it didn't really go over quite well. The 
saying, uh, Greg, I I've been saying it. You've been saying yes, it. Y'all yeah. gonna run up on the wrong bruh. Yes, sir. Can you believe that? See, I, I didn't hear that, Doc. So he called the woman a name. <laughs> My man's gonna yeah, yeah. You saw them white kids. They're like, we don't want no parts right. <laughs> of this terror right here. But, but that, yeah, yeah, you right. Like you've been saying. You gonna get the right one one day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, these, I don't know when they're gonna learn, Erica. <laughs> I think today might be <laughs> a day that they start learning. But here's the other thing. I do love the statement that the company issued on behalf of the employee that was involved in this altercation. And they legit. And so this is really um, in the age of Twitter and Instagram statements, which really should be people being courageous and brave enough to do the things that they did, you know, when they were saying that they were about it, like do it up front. In their statement, they said that, listen, the conduct of this person that was an employee is not to be, con be condoned. They weren't taking well. The employee just responded. They quickly said and got out in front of that statement to say that, listen, what they didn't do was right. And so what we did was we terminated this employee and we don't tolerate that. They considered their 124 history, 24 year history ahead of um, kind of saying, well, we're going to investigate and we'll be able to make a decision later. So kudos to uh, this company for coming out in front of this statement and making a declaration that, you know, this per this man did what he needed to do to protect his family and anybody that agitates and works for us will be dismissed. Uh, and uh, uh, Mustafa, now beyond this, mm -hmm. uh, this story, I mean, you still have uh, cops in Miami Beach losing their minds. Uh, this took place, folks, this video here, uh, go to my iPad, um, this took place in, I'm going to roll it back so you can oh. actually see the beginning of this. Um, and so you have spring break going on, uh, and this cop, he, uh, you know, he's, so go ahead. circulating is, is and again it's, it's part of this issue that, that and again we don't quite understand you know what led to this aggressive action but it also speaks to again how police take a, an aggressive uh, position first as opposed to how do you de-escalate the situation well for me it can continues to be a part of the dehumanization of people of color but at the same time those are young girls right. that are there and for grown men to feel that they need to run and tackle them like they're in the NFL uh, says something. And then for folks to also move in, whether it's with guns that have rubber bullets in it or live bullets in it, also sends a message uh, to what looked like uh, the majority of folks who were there were, you know, students of color. So, you know, we have got to do something about this military-style policing that continues to happen in non-military situations. And, uh, and I've also been a huge proponent 
of us making sure that also anyone who puts on the badge has to have psychological testing and not just before you get the job but also as you're going through it and doc you are much more of an expert in this area than i am in making sure that folks have not got to a point in their career where they no longer to be on the street mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i think um i agree with you doc um it's interesting i, I wouldn't call those men they certainly mm -hmm. have on uniforms, but they're not men. These are underdeveloped human beings. Mm. I wonder if those were white girls, mm. if they had tackled them. To see a, a, a piece of a man run down a street and give a side body block mm. to a girl. Now, first of all, that that now that's just one video, Greg. Mm. Uh, this actually, uh, actually, I'm going to let it uh, go and finish your point. No, no, I'm no, no, this, no I'm going to let this run continue. I'm gonna, we start the video because uh, there was another incident that took place six days ago. Uh, in, same thing, Miami Beach, uh, where they um, pretty much uh, body slammed uh, this sister uh, who was from North Carolina, 25 year, years old. And so I'm trying to do a reset right now. I'm on the Miami Herald website. Uh, and let me uh, see if I can reset this. They don't have it where you can rewind their videos. So here we go. Um, I think we can go ahead and get this to play. Um, I'm going to have to go back and... Um, find the video here because they so it's, it's how they actually do their videos is a lot different um, so let me go back and try to find it um, go right here with your comments I'll try to find no no, no. I, I, as, as we're talking about this I mean it's spring bake season mm -hmm. we've got this coronavirus out here you know and I've had some concern you know I'm listening to students talk about as we heard Erica uh, say a minute ago talking about picking up cheap flights mm -hmm. <laughs> you've made it there you're enjoying yourself you're doing whatever you're doing we know, and I'm sure we've all seen this. Mm -hmm. These white students Here we go. coming out. Go ahead. Okay, go so, ahead, yeah, no, please. Again, that was her from the Miami Herald there. Uh, and she said she was just frustrated. She was trying to gain, gain interest. And uh, they say well, that was an altercation with, uh, with the security guards there. That's, that's what they say. And then they said that's why it required her uh, to be body slammed that way. And the guns? And the guns. The guns in both. You know, Malcolm X said this many years ago. He said, you never see one of them come after one of us. You never see one of them come after one of you. This swarm mentality. This piece of a man tackles a child. This one, another one, you hear the girls say they use their violence against us. They use their violence against women. And then the rest of them surround with their pumped up, probably steroid fed biceps. Then this piece of a woman comes along with her finger on her trigger, standing, and they stand there and create a periphery. What we're seeing is whiteness at its finest. See, whiteness yeah. depends on, as you said, Doc, on reducing the humanity of others. Mm -hmm. They're protecting an imaginary concept. But I'm going to tell you what, they're going to keep it up. 
and they're going to keep it up. And, and at some moment, see, this is the tension of it. I don't wish anything on anybody. But if you tackle a child like that, and then the thing escalates, and you look up and realize that you're surrounded and you don't have enough police cars, and some of those police look like the people you're harming, mm -hmm. this thing could very easily turn left. And once mm -hmm. it turns left, it's not going to course correct. Mm -hmm. There's going to be violence met with violence. And that's what Malcolm, Martin, everyone else, Ida B. Wells in the 1920s and 30s said, mm -hmm. you know, this isn't about the lynching. Lynching isn't about the violation of white women. Lynching right. is about them putting black people back in their place. Mm -hmm. And this, so this violence is about you Negroes are not going to be human. We're going to impose our will on us, which is why Ida Wells said a Winchester rifle should occupy a place of honor above the hearth of every home. They're going to they're gonna learn one day that we might learn about that Second Amendment. And on that day, we might see a different kind of America. You can't keep doing this. Uh, Eric, I, I do want to uh, I'm go back to the coronavirus for a second. I want to get your thoughts on this here. Uh, Michael Steele posted a tweet. Uh, he works with a particular commission that deals with voting, and uh, they want to suspend the rules to allow mail-in voting. Uh, just your thoughts on this. I mean, as this coronavirus thing continues, remember, you, you got primaries taking place on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Florida is one of those states. You got uh, another 25 or so states who have yet to even vote. Then, of course, as we start, start thinking about uh, in August, uh, Florida actually, so you have the pr presidential primary in Florida on, taking place on Tuesday, but you have the primary for their congressional races and others taking place in August. Uh, what about the possibility of there being mail-in voting all across the country? Yeah, I think it's something to consider. And I think just around that, then we would have to think about, well, what are the ways in which people are going to have those um, ballots actually delivered to them? Who's going to be in charge of picking them up and ensuring that there is some type of accountability to say that I have a receipt that I voted? Um, and I think that's um, important to bring up when we're talking about Republicans who, um, for lack of better wording, are just really um, offspring of the current regime right now because they're all off of one sheet of music, um, all singing in one note, is that they are actively participating in voter suppression. And when I'm talking about actively participating, talking about looking at the Secretary of State and um, how they're actually helping their um, municipalities, helping um, those people um, move through their elections, right? You have folks that work on the uh, within their cities to do that as well. But everything all leads back to that Secretary of State. So when you have um, very real examples that um, are in our present and are not too uh, distant past, when you're thinking about a Stacey Abrams that ran against the Secretary of State who was effectively um, a participant in the game and also refereeing the cause as well, that is the one place where I kind of have a pause and really concerned around um, people participating in voting by mail-in when you, we do have active suppression um, that's happening. And so I think that when we're not at a place where free and fair elections are not as much of a risk, which I don't know that there's ever been a time, but especially now, that that's something that, you know, immediately I would say um, get behind. But I think that there also has to be kind of like provisions that are built into that to ensure that everybody that does vote, because we saw from last Tuesday and this past Tuesday that people are very much so invigorated to get out and vote. So just hoping that that would be equalized and met with um, checks and balances so that the enthusiasm that people have around going to cast their ballot would also um, be seen. Um, people have that same level right. of enthusiasm and trust 
that their vote was actually counted. But Mustafa, the fact of the matter is we have to be thinking about this here. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about canceling sporting events, canceling, canceling colleges and schools, you guys think about having millions of people coming in a voting booth. Yeah, I mean, this is the time also. So we know that many of the folks who work at our polling booths are older, usually, because they have the time to actually be able to do it. Yeah, uh, my I think, parents work the polls. Right. My, my parents, my parents work the polls at uh, Dallas County. Yeah. Yeah, and we also, I, I'm one who believes, and, and and I respect what Erica's sharing, but we have to vote early, you know, and we've got to get those those ballots in. But we've also got to work with our churches and our civic organizations and all these others to help people to understand in this time you know, how important that is. And then, you know, eventually we're going to have to start better utilizing technology, but there are all kinds of problems that are in that space, especially with outside influencers, Russians and others who are trying to infiltrate and, and play games uh, in our voting. So we, we got to figure it out. Absolutely. Greg, bottom line is we, we look, I mean, th this might have to be an option. Washington State already does this. They do. Uh, and it's highly successful. They do. Uh, we may be have to look at this when it comes to this national election. Actually, Washington State is ahead of the curve, as mm -hmm. we know. What's going on in Seattle, the state of emergency in the state of Washington, they're set to be able to vote for the very reason you, you say. And, you know, it's very interesting, as, as you were talking, uh, Doc, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, wouldn't this be a beautiful excuse for Donald Trump to say we should suspend the election? Oh, you know he's already there. That's exactly right. I mean, and, and as you said earlier, when you showed that very important uh, summary that Vox produced, You've got clowns like Tom Cotton running around talking about he's going to hunt down who's responsible for this virus. Mm. And, of course, everybody's saying, so which bat are you going to look for? <sighs> but, the whole, but the whole point, to your point, if you can such sustain... Such an idiot. Idiot, but if you can sustain this perception yeah. of us versus them yeah. and then empty that kind of uh, momentum into a summer where they may have to suspend the Democratic and Republican national conventions, mm -hmm. then certainly you could argue, even if we're past the coronavirus, you could argue, well, in the wake of it, I think we need to probably just cool this off for six months. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking at what they're facing in, this, in Russia with Vladimir Putin attempting to alter the Constitution mm -hmm. so that he can stay in power up into the 2030s. But you don't do that by executive fiat. You do it by the pretense that you've had an election. Mm -hmm. That's what people don't understand. Fascism doesn't creep by saying that you just took over. Fascism creeps when people do nothing. So this voting thing is very serious, and here we are in March. We need to be thinking about November and beyond. That's absolutely right. Uh, and when you, uh, when you just mentioned those conventions, also, folks, uh, Sunday's Democrat debate between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders will not be in Arizona, DNC, CNN, and Univision, but now it's going to be moved to Washington, D.C. Mm. Not going to be an audience there, uh, but they still plan on having this debate, just the two of them, and so we'll see if that even uh, moves forward. All right, folks, uh, we've got to go. Certainly want to thank uh, Greg, Mustafa, as well as uh, want to thank Erica for joining us on our panel today. Don't forget, folks, if you want to support what we do at Roller Martin Unfiltered, go to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to make this possible. We need you now more than ever. Uh, allows us to do what we do to remain independent and free to speak to our issues that absolutely matter to us. Also, zoom out for me. Uh, I want to thank Jamel Hill. So Jamel has uh, a line of t-shirts, and so she actually sent this to a number of our black journalists. Y'all go ahead and zoom out. Uh, so uh, it says uh, support black journalist. And so that's what the shirt says. And so, uh, Jamel, thanks a bunch. I appreciate that. Uh, and so we want to go ahead and uh, wear that. Looks real good next to this alpha ring. Right, Mustafa and Greg? Yes, it Indeed does. it does, yes, brother. <laughs>
got we got we got two more alphas on the show. Yes, indeed. That's how it is. And so again, Jamel, thanks a bunch. Uh, you sent to Aaron uh, Haynes and uh, others as well. And so yeah, we all stand in this thing together. And if y'all want to see it, absolutely great, because you see. You have, of course, the fist, and then you have the pen. Uh, but, it, but if you actually want to see a great documentary, uh, the group, this is the cats out of uh, California, uh, did a number of years ago a documentary called Soldiers Without Swords, which is a documentary on uh, the history of the black press, black newspapers, uh, which is phenomenal. Actually, I own my own copy of that, and so you definitely want to check that out. So, all right, folks, I got to go. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, don't forget, stay tuned to our social media accounts. Uh, subscribe to what we do, our YouTube channel. Uh, please subscribe to that. Click uh, subscribe, but also turn your notifications. So anytime we go live, it pops right there on your phone uh, and it allows for you to be able to see it. And matter of fact, let me go ahead and do this here since we're here. Uh, let me see if I can do it right here on my iPad. Because what happens is, so I've had to do this to a lot of the people who support what we do who support the show. Uh, and so, uh, here, just go ahead and go to my iPad. And so, uh, so y'all do, do, do me a favor. Y'all got, got aunts and uncles, and y'all got cousins, and mamas and daddies, folks who love my show. And they, I get stuff all the time. We can't see your show. Now, Greg, y'all did this at Christmas uh, last year. And so, all y'all gotta do is, folks, is if they already have YouTube, <laughs> so just here, go to my iPad. Uh, y'all, simply what you do is you tell them, just go to YouTube, Pull YouTube up and then just go to search box and I just want you to just type in Roland Martin. And so what's gonna happen is uh, Roland Martin's gonna come up and then you simply go to my channel. Just go to the channel. So all you gotta do, uh, go to the channel and then what'll happen is you'll see all of our videos that are there on the channel. So you see right there, uh, of course, we got 432,000 subscribers. Uh, this is a live stream of the show. 2,168 people are watching right now. It got us high. 2700 while we are live and the easiest thing for them to do is because what will happen is if right underneath uh, my name here it'll uh, it'll say uh, subscribe just click that but also there's a little bell that you click uh, once you hit subscribe and then when you click that bell what it will do is turn on your notifications and so that way now when we go live it just pops up on their phone and don't forget you got to go turn the notifications on. And so just go into the settings in Android or iPhone and do that. And so I just want y'all to do me that favor for all y'all friends, uh, all of our folks. Because again, I get stopped all over the country. People are like, man, you know, I, I, like, like, where are you? Love to hear you. And I'm like, y'all, we've been live since September 4th, <laughs> 2018. And so I've had to literally put, take people's phones. Go through the phones, turn it on, <laughs> and then like, now you're good. Uh, and so uh, y'all go and help uh, help our uh, seasoned saints out uh, who want to hear uh, the commentary. Amen, amen. I mean, I'm telling you, and look, because look, they'll know, they'll know, and I've helped some even show them a big screen because they, they actually want to see it. Uh, on a big screen as well, and so it, it's uh, all you can do is do that as well. I'm gonna go ahead and get this shot right here. Here's what I mean. If y'all actually want to watch the show, hold on, let me do it right here. Uh, Henry, go ahead, take the shot. So if y'all want to see the show, y'all can see the show uh, on the big screen. So you see right there, uh, you can do the exact same thing, uh, see it on the big screen uh, as well. And so you don't have to just sit here and just watch it uh, on a small phone. Y'all can set it up through Apple TV uh, and all those different devices. So that's it. All right, y'all, I got to go. Uh, do all we can. Look, uh, again, a lot of people wonder where the information is, and so they can actually see it. YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. Uh, we prefer you actually, here's why we prefer you to actually watch our show, watch our clips on YouTube, uh, because we get paid for that. Periscope has no ad revenue sharing program, and so that's why we don't pay any attention to them. 
Uh, we do stream the show there, but it's no big deal. We'd rather you go to YouTube. Uh, and the same thing is we want you to also do the exact same thing. Uh, Facebook, we post our YouTube clips on Facebook for you to see it. So that's why we don't post directly on Facebook. We do stream the show on Facebook. We don't put our clips on there because they add sharing program. You don't make much money. And so it also helps us do what we do. All right, folks. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you all tomorrow. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.